0: On this week's episode, could the end be near for the Fantastic Beasts? Marvel dives headfirst into tabletop, and is Coachella Music's biggest annual event? All this and more, as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome. To the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review, wherever you you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Humanican Media, and all the great things that we do at PopCultureCosmos.com, plus the fact that we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, plus we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day, Right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, and if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend, he is our own guy that hangs out at Coachella when he gets the chance. He is the man behind so many great things at and Media, including the old podcast you still got to check out with plenty of stuff that's available at Topic Clubs. Plus, his current show, The Super B.S. Gamescast, and his amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you got to get today at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Culture Cosmos. Are you doing anything on the mosh pit at Coachella?
1: No, no, there's no actual, like... (laughs) rock bands here playing and most of it's just like dance music and rappers so not a lot of motion going on at Coachella this year I don't imagine
0: well we're going to talk about Coachella on the back end of the show and we're going to discuss whether it is now the major annual music event as it's come back it's come back strong we'll talk about all the numbers expected crowd attendance and some of the artists because you cannot name in the entire 60 minute show that we do all the artists, because there are just so many artists that are there three different stages, all on YouTube over two weekends. So the amazing Coachella will be talked about on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, Marvel is going to dip their toes into the water. Once again, they've done it before in little bits and pieces, but they're going to do it again with their own tabletop RPG with some slight added tweaks and twists Later this week, they're going to go ahead and preview that. We're going to talk about if they can make a dent into the world of D&D with their own multiverse. That's coming up later in the show. We're also going to have a special guest, Jeff Revilla, from the Stuff I Never Knew podcast. He's going to be talking about the possibilities of what may be to come for Season 2 in Severance. Plus, what did he enjoy most about what I feel is... The best season of television so far in 2022. That's also coming up in a bit. Plus, we will be talking some TV. Halo, episode four. Did it get any better for us? Tokyo Vice, episodes four and five. Plus, open range on Amazon Prime. Amazon has been pushing this hard. Not exactly Tomorrow War hard, but close to it. We'll talk about the possibilities of Open Range as a hit series for Josh Brolin. That's coming up in a bit as well. But first, my friend, it is the Not-So-Fantastic Beasts, because the Fantastic Beasts, the Secrets of Dumbledore, has debuted all over this weekend at theaters. Well, it's actually done a little bit more in other markets, it's been a little bit longer, and it is not faring well. It's not faring well in the UK. It's not faring well in China, Japan. It's not faring well here in the United States as it's getting its softest opening for a Harry Potter related movie ever at right around 40 to 42 million for the entire weekend. Now, some of that can be laid blame to Easter because people are doing Easter like things. We hope everybody had a great Easter weekend, but I also think it's a sign that the Fantastic Beasts and Harry Potter whole universe could be in some trouble.
1: Maybe the movie's bad. I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this one because I can't tell if the movie, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I can't tell if the movie's bad or if the publicity around J.K. Rowling is what's sinking the ship. Because every time I've read a review on this, it kept saying, well, they did a lot of things. Good, good, good. But jk rowling comments you know that's like all i'm seeing from this so i'm wondering if people are giving this movie they're going into it wanting to give it a bad rating because of these things that they can't just like well that, and that's not
0: that's uh, not good as a critic you got to put that aside whether you disagree with those comments but you have to put that aside if you're mm-hmm. supposed to be an impartial critic in order to give it a review now right now on metacritic it is given a 47 overall rating which means that there's a lot of bad ratings out there and i don't think all of them are going to be based on those comments there are critics out there that are going to give it an unbiased score and just say whether or not it's a bad movie or a good movie
1: right but right now i don't think that's outweighing the ones that aren't i read ign stuff a lot they gave it a four and they lead into the review with the jk rowling comments and like i think that had she not said these things, I feel like we would be getting a whole different set of scores. Granted, I have not seen the movie yet, so it might just be bad, but I'm having a hard the second time.
0: one was bad. You and I. Hated, one, but...
1: Yeah, the second one was bad. But see, I'm just like I'm having a hard time because it's hard for me to say like, oh, this movie's good or bad because I haven't seen it yet. I need to see yeah. it with my own eyes before I'm like, oh, yeah, the movie's like trash or it just got beat up because of something the creative person behind it said you know i really want to like this movie from what i understand they handled the dumbledore grindelwald relationship in a way that feels organic and all that and so like i'm really curious to see how those pieces played together they showed a lot of cool things in the trailers i still love the world of harry potter but this movie's giving me a hard time because i need to know for myself if it's good or bad because It's just had so many people going, well, J.K. Rowling said this, she said that, she said this, she said that. And I I wonder, had she not made these comments, would their scores have been different? You know, we've talked about outlets getting money to lean one way or another, and I'm kind of having a hard time with this one, you know?
0: I understand. It might be a little bit better as far as overall than what the critics saying, especially with the Metacritic score right now. Maybe you can't totally trust what that is at this time, but needless to say that, The declining returns is also a stamp from the viewers out there as far as that's concerned, because this will do poor than any other Harry Potter related flick in the entire chain. And to me, that signals that there needs to be some type of change, or you're going to have to go ahead and back up the Brinkstruck truck a lot sooner than you thought for Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, because to me, as I stated on the Friday show, the only way you're really going to get this series back underway, so to speak, into a blockbuster-type level is you're going to have to go ahead and bring the original three back in a Cursed Child movie edition of the series. So you're going to have to go ahead and do something like that before you're going to go ahead and get any type of interest generally from the audience yeah. out there at large.
1: Well, let's talk about the narrative for a minute, right? I think if you look at the Harry Potter franchise, and you see, going into those movies, they kept getting bigger and bigger, but it also, there's something in them that felt like home. Same thing when you, like, read the books. You go to Hogwarts, you get to know these characters, and you just keep returning to this setting time after time. And it just, it felt good. It felt good to be there. It felt like you were part of this school, part of these friends, part of this family of wizards, I guess. But with Fantastic Beast franchise, it's so all over the place and disconnected that it's hard to latch on to any of the characters especially since they keep introducing new characters with each film with harry potter by the time they got to the third film you were heavily invested in harry potter neville hermione ron like even draco malfoy you were heavily invested in all these characters both were uh, you
0: heavily invested in ron
1: well, maybe not heavily invested, but you are attached. You're attached to the character regardless. Of course. I'm just teasing when I say no, that. Yeah, no, I know. But with these Fantastic Beasts movies, you're not really invested in these characters because they keep pushing new characters into the fold and highlighting their stories as opposed to what's been developed already. And so I understand why people would be having a hard time with this franchise.
0: I don't think you will see true success from this series unless you do something like on HBO Max, maybe an extended series that directly ties more into the world of Harry Potter or The Cursed Child that becomes a live action movie or experience, trilogy, whatever. And you get Harry Potter coming out after soccer practice, coming out of that minivan, coming out to save the world, going ahead and calling up Emma on the cell phone. Hey, we need you. We need you to come back. That's going to get people back interested because as I stated before, when were you watching the Harry Potter movies out there? You were watching it when you were much younger. You were watching it then with your family and that whole type of environment. But two decades later, it is now so much different. People have grown up, people grown older, they have their own families, but they've not exactly embraced the Harry Potter culture since then. Maybe that's partly attributed to the J.K. Rowling's comments. I'm not sure. I don't know. But again, it comes down to the fact that Harry Potter has not retained, as Rob McCallum would say, our good friend, director of Nintendo Quest, Please go ahead and check out the extended views today at YouTube. But our good friend Rob McCallum will say it's not retained its cultural footprint as it once did.
1: Agreed. And that also goes back to the J.K. Rowling comments. It has such a heavy influence on how much people like the world of Harry Potter these days. Whatever side of the fence you fall on on the J.K. Rowling argument, that world has the ability to reach people of all different types of orientations, because at the heart of Harry Potter, it's about good versus evil and helping people in need. And I think that that's a theme that really resonates with today's society. If you're able to, I guess, ignore what has already been said by the people that made it.
0: Well, we'll see what happens there. But again, it is fantastic beasts. The secrets of Dumbledore, it is not faring so well at the box office. Again, going to, be reported right around the low 40s here in the states as far as 40 million dollars at the box office and worldwide it is not faring that well either so the outlook for the five movie series i still think they're going to get the five movie series done whether or not they have to go ahead and send it over to hbo max or whatever they're going to call it now that the discovery merger has been made i don't know i'm not sure yet but The future for Fantastic Beasts is not looking good, but we want to hear your thoughts on Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it's Jeff Revilla from the Stuff I Never Knew podcast. He's talking about Severance Season 1 and also what may come up in Season 2. He's talking all the possibilities with me coming up after the break. And then after that, Josh and I are going to be talking some TV, some Marvel multiverse tabletop action, and Coachella. Just how big is Coachella? We'll talk about that coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
2: Big on America. Hey, guys. This is Jason Dutch with Dig on America podcast. And I'm here with... Big Hops. And I'm also here with
0: And we're back with the show, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos where we cover the latest news and information everywhere you get your podcasts on the world of pop culture. Thank you so much for watching and listening. It is one of my favorite topics of 2022. It is severance, which I've already stated on the show after season one, which just concluded a little over a week ago, one of the best seasons of television. I've ever seen. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. But here today to talk with me about season one and more importantly, what could be on the horizon for season two. Good man. Indeed. He is the man behind the stuff. I never knew trivia game show podcast because I never knew what could go on with that great show. It is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It is something I hope to go ahead and be back on after my miserable performance I will hopefully get a return engagement sometime down the road. It is Jeff and Jeff, great to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time to go ahead and, and talk to me today about severance. Hopefully, this will get out to the severance group that's out there, but great to have you here talking severance, my friend.
2: Oh, great to be here. love it. You always have a standing invitation to come back on the show and try to build on that legacy that you left so far. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> you have a lower negative score than the one I got. I don't think you do.
2: I have to go through the historical record, but you're in the running. I'm <laughs> in
0: the running indeed, but I want to say that we are talking, Severn, something that you and I, you mentioned that you, you watched. You, uh, for me, it was something that there was a period of time after the book of Boba Fett ended on Disney plus where I was searching for other series and other things to get into. And thank goodness Disney plus had that six week period of time where it actually just invited people to go ahead and check out other things. And severance was something I saw was critically rated and got into it. What drew you into severance? Because again, it just draws you in with each and every episode.
2: Yeah, I always love that dystopian, this why is the world like this kind of television show where you didn't know from the start. And I thought it was slow at first. I mean, they really took the time to build that environment. And that sucked me right in, right from the the first few episodes. But they did take that time. And the first few episodes are, are a little bit slow just to build out that world. And once you're in that world, you have to figure out what's going on.
0: It really got me sucked in as far as the quality of it, the concept as far as this unique work-life balance where you can actually go ahead and have a chip put in your brain and actually forget or actually have your memories displaced for certain periods of time of the day. Once you first started catching wind of this, what was your thoughts on that as far as the
2: actual concept of severance itself? I didn't know who to relate to, you know, the innies or the outies. Like, did I feel for the workers? Did I feel for the person that put the worker in the place? I really just didn't know what to take of it, who to root for. There's all these little things along the way that they're dropping these clues, dropping these clues, and you don't know the first time you go through it. But looking back now, like I can already, I can picture there's going to be things like, oh, that was such a good little thing they added right there. Even like the lines of dialogue, hint about stuff and, you don't know what's coming, but you're hearing it and you're seeing it. And The minute
0: points, the attention to detail within the concept of the series, you have to go ahead and pay attention to everything on every single episode, seemingly.
2: The thing that caught me, too, was how much it parallels what is really happening to, to everybody. in the You hear this great resignation where people are, are finding a better work-life balance. They're leaving their jobs so that they can do things that they love. And I think that's what the the underlying connection is, is that, okay, if I could detach myself from this work that I don't love, I don't care about, and I could have a life and a work life, maybe I would do that. Like why would I stay at my job and be unhappy if I could go find other opportunities somewhere else? And I think that's the underlying fabric in our society is do we have to work 60 hours a week to be happy or is there another way? And severance kind of gives you a hint at another way, so I think that's what that initial resonation is with people like okay there's there's something here that maybe i'm in my personal life i'm feeling it but i'm not acknowledging but you know here's a subconscious way to deal with that
0: let me ask you this before we go into possible spoilers for season two possible theories and things of that nature i want to hear your thoughts on this and that is would you undergo if it was actually something that was realistic out there. Would you undergo the severance process of having a chip put in your brain and then let's say you go to work without, and whatnot and you actually having that displaced memory because it's been the discussion on the chat boards, it's been the discussion on the groups that we're, we're part of on Facebook and whatnot that maybe they would do it, some say they wouldn't. What are your thoughts on this, man? If, if that was proposed <laughs> to you, is severance was something real and tangible what would you say? Would you say yes?
2: I grew up skateboarding. I grew up punk rock. I am cynical to the core. There is no way I would ever trust a corporation uh, <laughs> with implanting anything in my brain. There's, okay. They would never have my best interests at heart.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough indeed. Fair enough indeed. I, I agree with you on that one. I think it would be really hard for me to go ahead and, and do that as well, unless with some type of seriously sensitive information that I knew going in it wouldn't be in my best interest just to share so I, I can get that I can get that deep but it is an outstanding way that they closed it yes there were some surprises that were shown that were not very much of a surprise in the end of season one but there were a lot of things that were set up that were a surprise and I like the fact that that's the way they closed out the season was with the reveal that Helly, which is one of the main characters on the show, that she is an Egan, who is the founding members and the owners of the actual Lumen Corporation. Because that's something that it was speculated on since I think around episode two that people were speculating on that. That wasn't too much of a surprise, but everything therein after that in that final episode seemingly was a great surprise. Your thoughts on how that final episode closed out and what that might set up for season two.
2: Those last 10 minutes ramped up, ramped up, ramped up, and then they slam it on you. Like, you know, I don't know if you want me to say what the last line of the series is, but they... Oh, yeah, you can, because it's spoiler time. She's alive. He figures it all. He sees the picture. She's alive. Cut. I was like, what? That's how we're going to leave this?
0: (laughs) That was perfect. I thought that was absolutely perfect. The only thing I fault Apple on is that they had already announced that there was a season two. I wish they had announced it right after she's alive. That would have been (laughs) awesome because you put everybody in suspense if there was going to be a season two. So that was the only thing. But yes, you're right. Gemma, Mark Scout's wife in real life, who was thought to have passed away in a car accident, actually could be and actually most likely is from the series, Miss Casey. In the series so she was been sent down to the testing floor. So one of the things that's been speculated on is she's been sent down to the testing floor after getting fired from her job, maybe for reconditioning for retesting whatever for new mind control, so to speak, will they resolve. Mark S. Once they all get back to, because you know it's going to probably come back to some semblance of the office floor with either all of them or almost all of the four that's there, the four heroes that we have from MDR, Mark, Dylan, Helly, and Irving, some semblance of combination is going to be there. Do you think they'll be able to uncover, or do you think they'll be allowed to uncover the mysteries of what's going on with Miss Casey on the testing floor in season two? Or do you think they're going to draw that out?
2: I think they're going to draw it out for sure. I, I think that this world that we've been drawn into, you hear some hints in season one of, you know, this is a working batch now, or the program is successful. It's working now. So to me, that sounds almost like a Truman show or a Groundhog Day type oh. scenario where we're repeating a series of events over and over again. And <laughs> the fact that when something goes wrong, we have a reset button or we have a way, I think there's going to be some sort of reset back to where we've started. But they're not going to be able to remove everything. There's going to be little bits that will stay behind. Because there are little things that they noted, like finding the notes behind the picture. And they're leaving clues for each other. So there's got to be something that stays behind. But yet, like a full wipe, like a reset.
0: That's scary that you can go ahead, send someone to a room, and, <laughs> whoosh, and it's all yeah. cleaned away. So if that's the case, and Gemma, a.k.a. Miss Casey, is wiped Her memory is wiped of her a hundred and what seven hours of total lifespan (laughs) previously it's like okay you just started up the uh whatever and you just had it running for just a little while so you know what i'm just going to start and do it all over again and if that's the case and she's wiped will she be able to even remember anything that went on in the 107 hours much less whatever went on with her life before the car accident per se so that is very intriguing i think that's the question i think that people are asking most is what are they going to do in regards to her character the other thing as i mentioned is heli she was announcing to the world about how they were tortured as innies down below the severance floor and she got cut off by what happened at the end and then you saw what happened with irving who was trying to reach out to Bert and try to continue that love story that a lot of people have been really entrenched in with christopher walken and john Turturro, who are playing amazing roles in that sense and then also as well with dylan who was actually part of the overtime process as far as holding on to it got tackled by milchek played by trammell tillman who's doing an amazing job both him and zach cherry are doing an amazing job this whole cast is doing amazing yeah. but This whole scenario about what happened, of course, Mark S., who got found out by Patricia Arquette's character, Harmony Cobell. This whole scenario, what went on in episode nine, what do you think it's going to lead to? It's going to lead to a lot of pain, I think, for our four heroes. But again, I think at some point in time in season two, it's all going to have them back together in that office somehow, that office dynamic in MDR. Do you agree or disagree?
2: Yeah, 100%. I think we're going to end up back there. And I almost think that Miss Casey is going to be like the linchpin that holds season two together because her performance was so great. And like you said, alive for 107 hours, she's never left the complexes as far as we know. She's always been there. So two years ago, she's been there, but only alive for 107 hours. So there's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of backstory development with her. And I think maybe this season is going to be her awakening and she's got to have something come back. And I think, Maybe she awakens the other characters of this time around.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it's been an amazing ride so far. We're seeing love stories. We're seeing <laughs> mysteries. We're seeing a whole bunch of things. Like you said, it's such a very simple start. It's an office concept. But how they're able to change all these dynamics, how they were making walking down hallways, yeah. so <laughs> interesting. The cinematography has to be one of the toughest deals to make walking down office walkways and hallways interesting time in and time out that to me has to be a challenge in and of itself
2: yeah just filming that and they're 90 degree turns and they're turning on a dime like the the way they capture that and the emotion of walking the speed and the urgency and sometimes it's just a casual stroll but so much happens in a white lined hallway even the lights, the way the lights turn on sometimes as they walk down the hallway in certain areas, it just builds that whole what is going on question in your head. Who is it controlling all this?
0: Absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to cover before we head on out is Jane Egan, who in episode nine, the elder statesman Egan that was is still alive, when he speaks to Helly and <laughs> talks about how he wants this severance procedure to be in everyone and so they can all be egan's children which is scary enough as is do you think they're going to elaborate a little bit more on this grand design in season two or maybe save that for future seasons down the road because we recently heard dan erickson talk about how far he wants to take this and he said if apple plus allows it they could take this for several seasons down the road
2: it might come up late season two And that could be a a big point of season three, I would think, because I think I think everybody's still invested in what happens to these characters. I don't know if we need to know the whole universe yet, that whole world yet. We want to see how this plays out. It's David versus Goliath. Can they take down the corporation? Can they go against the status quo? That's what we're fighting against here. We're all in on it.
0: Absolutely. And it definitely is very intriguing indeed. And Was there any one character that you gravitated to the most? I know a lot of people are talking about and praising Patricia Arquette's performance as Harmony Cobell, the manager, the the driver of much of the pain for our heroes in MDR. A lot of people are also talking about the great performance from Christopher Walken, the guy who was running O&D as far as down the severance floor. Of course, they talked about, like I said before, Trammell Tillman. I mean, the entire cast has done such a great job. But is there any one character that you gravitated towards the most during the series?
2: Mark, really, because to me, it represents kind of how we were raised. You follow the system. You go to high school. You get a college degree. You go get a job. You follow the system, and you'll be taken care of. And whether or not that's as necessary as we thought it was 20 years ago, I see that in my role. Now I see that professionals out there that they're following the rules and they're doing what's expected. And in exchange, they get that paycheck or they, they get to keep the job. And I like that structured character because it gives a lot of room for them to grow out of that role or to figure it out. But I understand that situation. I understand going to work every day and, and being a company man and taking care of things and getting the job done and they're grinding. Like that's what they want to do. They're, they're following the procedures, the, the operating procedures. And that relates to me, not in a positive way, I think, but I mean, those characters are like, I felt for them the most.
0: You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy and Goodness. And this time we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. One of the last things I want to talk to you about is Devin and Ricken. Devin, who plays Mark's sister, who Hopefully got all this information and knew exactly what Mark was talking about. We're not sure. It would have been so much easier. But for dramatic purposes, he, he couldn't say Gemma's alive. He had to say she's alive. So yeah. it's kind of like, okay, maybe are you talking about the baby or something? Leave it some up, up in the air. But her husband, Rickon, who has the book, which is such a central part of the innies down in the seventh floor, their motivation and their inspiration Which, you know, hearing the lines, some of them are absolutely hilarious as far as the type of thinking that went in place. And I bet you if this book ever actually goes on sale on Amazon, it's going to hit number one as a New York Times bestseller. But your thoughts on Rickon's character, because he is a little bit outlandish. He has a lot of eccentric friends, to say the least. But your thoughts on what they could do with Rickon's character in season two as well.
2: That I haven't really explored too much. He is out there a little bit. He he doesn't really fit the mold of the other characters. He's He is kind of this outsider. I'd be curious to see how that develops.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would be curious to see how that develops too because he is one of the more eccentric characters in a cast filled with eccentric characters. It's something that... I believe will be very interesting to see. We haven't even talked about the baby goats. How do the baby goats (laughs) fit into all this equation for season two? It's so wild. It's so crazy. I'm assuming they're going to go ahead and at least touch on this baby goats because that's, I think, one of the major points that wasn't really touched upon in that final episode or in the series that they just introduced it to you. and didn't really go much into it. So obviously they have bigger plans for it. Because so far they've been able to dot almost all the I's and cross almost all the Ts as far as the series is concerned. But what do you think the baby goats are all about?
2: I, don't I kept thinking that cloning. These are clones. These are corporate-made goats. I didn't. I didn't know. I, I. I don't have a great answer for the goats. Even like the way they introduced the other departments too. Like you know, there's more departments that we're gonna find. The map had yes. more departments, more more locations. So even what, you know, what else is in this whole complex?
0: Absolutely. Optics and design. We saw them, but what do they actually do there? They've got those printers printing out different things from cards to like weapons to shovels or, or no, watering cans, watering cans, actually. So it's really interesting to see what kind of weirdness goes on at Lumen. And I know that you and I will be very focused on what goes on in season two and I'd love to continue these chats when season two comes around. So if you're ever available when season two comes around, please, I would like to go ahead and continue that. Maybe we can do a week by week episode or schedule something like that for 10, 15 minutes to go ahead and talk about, because love to go ahead and keep on talking severance because for me, it's been a great experience and it sounds like it's been for you as well.
2: Yeah. Just Apple TV in general to give them a shout out for the the subscription fee for the quality of content that they're producing this is top of the line for sure and they've been hitting it out of the park with all kinds of series if you're not on apple tv subscribe and this is a plug for apple tv get it and watch severance first and then go back compared to what you know you're getting on netflix recently and hulu recently you're not getting an avalanche of content you're getting this unbelievable amount of quality content and and severance is is one of the best i've seen
0: absolutely for me as well and Kudos to Ben Steeler for being a second producer and director of several episodes. And, of course, the mind of Dan Erickson for creating this. But, yes, once again, it's Severance. Season one is in the books. Love to hear your thoughts. Popculturecosmos at Yahoo.com or comment below in the comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts and theories for season two coming up. But your thoughts on season one as well. Jeff, it's been great having you on again. I'd love to go ahead and continue these chats as far as severance is concerned. We don't know when it's going to come out. They've already started the writing process, but I can't wait for a season two.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. So excited.
0: Absolutely. Indeed. But one last plug for your show, please go ahead and check out stuff, the stuff I never knew trivia game show podcast, but I've said so much about <laughs> it. You got to tell everybody out there why they need to check out your awesome program.
2: Over hundred episodes been running since 2015 It's three rounds of trivia with three players from around the world. They call in and they battle it out. We do fun little silly games in the first round. Like, is this a real or fake Doritos flavor? Who said this quote? And it might be a Dr. Strange or Dr. Emmett Brown. You gotta tell me who said it. We do hot seats and everybody brings their own buzzer. So every episode you'll hear some crazy buzzers that people find around their house. A hundred episodes, two shows a week, or two shows per month are now on television on the armstrong neighborhood channel here in pittsburgh you can find those on youtube but they're airing like three times a day which is crazy to me so two episodes go to tv and two episodes go to the podcast but you'll get the audio for all four it's the stuff i never knew trivia game show podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts check it out and let me know what you think
0: it is jeff revilla again check out the stuff i never knew trivia game show podcast it is amazing i'm looking for a return match i'm just telling you right now so If you ever get the chance, you want to go ahead and hit me up. I'd be honored to come back on the show. It's just an amazing show. I've actually caught quite a few over the past week since we've had our conversation about you coming back on the show, so I truly appreciate it, and looking forward to your continued success, and looking forward to talking Severance with you when Season 2 comes around.
2: Absolutely. I am there. You tell me when, and I'll be there. I'll go episode by episode with you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. We'd love to do that. We'll throw this on the chat. We'll throw this on the groups. Hopefully, we'll get some good responses back, but That's up to, right now, Dan Erickson and Ben Stiller. So we're all waiting on pins and needles, (laughs) but yes, definitely going to go ahead and check out season two of Severance, but Jeff, it's been amazing having you here and amazing having you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Culture Cosmos. Josh Peterson do want to thank Jeff Ravilla from the Stuff I Never Knew podcast. He was talking about seasons one and hopefully what's coming up in season two of severance one of my favorite shows that's out there but before we head out my friend i want to go ahead and talk some tv and marvel and coachella we talk about the halo experience so far as far as episode four my friend we're up to it now are you braving through it? Are you struggling through it? Is it still a challenge? Because for me, the in episode four, and we are going to go into spoilers, so I just do want to mention as well that with episode four, you're seeing an evolution of change as far as from the, one of the Spartans, the head Spartan, that is not John 117. One of the other Spartans, she's going through kind of like a transformation, a self reflective thing that's maybe straying her a little bit away from her duties which is kind of weird turn for there but john's trek to his original home planet he's seeing again some past visions and he's not even touching the artifact now so he's seeing these past visions including the famed coin toss test that dr halsey originally did with a young john way back when but also the fact that they have located a second Covenant artifact, which he had drawn up many years ago. So your thoughts on where we're going with Halo Episode 4. You still have the Insurrectionists with a resistance fighting other Insurrectionists who were sympathetic to the UNSC. This episode, the Covenant took a rest because they really didn't touch on them very much. I don't know. This, this series is just all over the place and it's not telling good stories in either one of them.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of threads being unwound right now that are just not interesting. I still am going back to the thing with like Saren, I think his name is, and Quan. Like, I'm just not interested in their stories. I mean, that's not to say they're bad actors, but I just I'm not interested in that arc the whole, like, resistance thing. Like, in the games, there are no resistances that are sympathetic to the UNSC. Like, it, it just... It it's an insurrectionist. It's an insurrectionist, yes. You're resisting what? It doesn't Now make there's a
0: resistance sense. within the resistance.
1: Right, exactly. Or the colonist.
0: But, you gotta say colonists, or, yeah, I don't, know. It just makes I don't know.
1: It's just, it's too much. It's too much. You know, I am enjoying seeing the Master Chief, like, kind of come to, as far as his memories go, and Waking up just a little bit because I know Halsey wants to use his reemergence of memories to get that other artifact, but Master Chief is still. Eventually, he's going to realize that Halsey's not the
0: the wonderful scientist wonder, that
1: she exactly claims to be. Exactly, know. and I'm I'm enjoying seeing the dynamic between Master Chief and Cortana grow a little bit, which is that was always one of the best parts of the game. Here and there, banter back and forth, so that's pretty cool. The other Spartan. See, yeah, at first, I thought that she was going to end up like fighting Master Chief over something. Mm-hmm. But I, when she was watching, I thought she was going to confront him about what he's doing. When honestly, she was had, leering
0: at him in the bathroom.
1: Right, right, and honestly, had no idea that she's going to end up cutting out her own thing, which was kind of cool. So and coloring I, her hair and stuff like her, that. yeah. So now we're 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 seeing an emergence of the human side of these super soldiers. And the UNSC seems to be slowly losing control of their best weapons, which is cool. And if the story goes anywhere where the games did, the UNSC is just kind of going to lose control of everything here soon enough. But as for the episode as a whole, it had some interesting parts to it, but it, it still is just kind of a meh
0: when you watch this and you're trying to go ahead and get through it and that's the problem you shouldn't have the mindset okay i have to get through this as you're watching it you should just have the mindset that you're entertained and unfortunately right now with halo there are segments of it large segments which are really not entertaining and that's to me very disappointing but again i am so positive on the fact that it is still doing well numbers wise for paramount plus so please. Don't mistake my pessimism on the series as far as the quality to any pessimism about the series being on the air because I am so thankful that the series is on the air. Simply again, and I will stress that, because it will allow more video game properties to reach an entertainment platform. So that I am thankful for, and I am thankful for Halo being on the air, and that's why I'm sticking through it all the way through.
1: I will also be watching it to completion I'm holding out hope that it's going to get better and there's going to be some things that will kind of turn the ship around, so to speak. But I'm not holding my breath right now.
0: What are your thoughts on Episode 4 and the series for Halo? Has it gone in a better direction for you? Or are you still just as confused as we are and disappointed as we are in the series overall? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. I'm also checking out Tokyo Vice, Episode 4 and 5. I want to mention that Ansel Egord is not a detriment to the series. He's actually okay going through the series. I know there's been a lot of criticism of him in this series, which I think is a little bit unfair because I think he's been solid as the young reporter that's trying to uncover some mysteries going on with the Tokyo underworld and the Yakuza. When it stays on that story, as far as behind the scenes of the newspaper or behind the scenes of the underworld, you see the inner fighting between them, the possible chaos that did commence in episode five. I really like that part of it as far as the battles between the different Yakuza clans and also the mysteries of as far as how they could be gaining a serious amount of money through suicide. They're profiting off the suicide, the Yakuza, with these shell-loan corporations. It's a very intriguing story, and I really am enjoying that aspect. But like you said with Halo, there's another side story that takes up about 10 to 15 minutes each and every episode that is really not worth it. It's a side story where you have an American that comes over to Japan and it's basically a companion girl who sits in tables with the Japanese businessmen, pours their drinks, has conversations with them, then goes to other tables and whatnot. And she's making a small fortune out of it. So now she wants to buy her own club. And now you're seeing that. It's loosely tied into Yakuza because her one of her boyfriends is a Yakuza. And then also she knows Ansel Egord's character. That to me is a waste of time. And it takes away from the investigation of these shell corporations and how it ties into the Yakuza and the inner battles between the Yakuza clans and also behind police investigation of it and the newspaper investigation. Those are the intriguing parts of this show. Do you think
1: they're going to end up using her for like a information or there's going to be like a future romance between her and Ansel Agort's character?
0: There might, because they've been conversating, but she's actually having a little thing with one of the Yakuza right now, who also knows Ansel Agort's character very well as far as on a friendship basis. They're kind of like friends, they're kind of like they know each other, they've communicated with each other as far as uh, some information back and forth. So they do work with each other a little bit, but That dynamic is just not working for me. It's just like it's taking away. Like you said, it takes away from whatever positives that you have because there are some really good positives on Tokyo Vice. It's like a distraction, and that to me is disappointing. So I'd like to see that kind of like phased out and the focus on the investigation commence and continue or the battles in the underworld between the Yakuza clans because that's the most interesting parts of this program.
1: Yeah, definitely something I still would like to check out, you know, when I get some free time to do that. From what you've described, though, it does sound really cool. It kind of reminds me of like a 90s crime show.
0: It's based off the years 1999 to 2001. That's when the years are set for this television series.
1: So that leads me to a question I've been wanting to ask you. You know, looking at shows like this, it sounds like it's created a pretty interesting world. We have a lot of sci-fi shows that are taking us to the future, but shows in modern times don't seem to fare very well or last very long so do you think we're going to see like a resurgence of shows that take place in the 90s or in the 80s because that seems to be like those decades those eras seem to be things that people really have romanticized romanticized and they have nostalgia for so yeah. it just makes me wonder do you think we're going to see a new wave of shows and sitcoms and dramas and all kinds of things that take place in years gone by as opposed because i mean look at the world today it's like it's not that great you know (laughs) like there's not a lot to highlight in the world that could be used to like laugh at because it's kind of or reminisce or reminisce it's that isn't
0: dark like you said
1: it's cold and it's lonely and it makes me want to put a blanket on and hide in a corner but you go back to like the 90s and i'm like oh yeah it's like i grew up there you know that's that's awesome
0: You often reminisce on the 90s. The 90s were okay to me. The 80s, again, I I reminisce on that a little bit more. So yeah, you and I both, we see a lot of nostalgia heading towards the 80s and 90s. We don't see it much as far as the early 2000s. I think that there are some things there in place that maybe prevent us from enjoying that decade, that first decade of this century. Maybe you will get fonder memories and some ways to reminisce about that decade a little bit later on down the line. But the 80s and 90s seem to be a very nostalgic time for us. So yeah, I think right now you're going to continue to see shows that are based in the 80s and 90s simply because of the fact that we have a lot of fond memories of those two decades.
1: There's a lot that can be taken away from those eras and turned into something great for modern viewing and you don't see a lot of modern shows being as successful as shows that take place in days gone by.
0: But Tokyo Vice has been overall a good watch. Again, some distractions aside, it's been an overall good watch, and I do recommend it. So if you get a chance and you're on HBO Max or whatever they're going to call it as far as after now that the merger is taking place between HBO Max and Discovery, that they're going to go ahead and merge together and have all their shows together, whatever they're going to call it. But Right now, it's called HBO Max. So if you get a chance, please check out Tokyo Vice. The first five episodes are now available on HBO Max. So if you're interested, please let us know your thoughts on Tokyo Vice, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, wanted to mention Open Range with Josh Brolin. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I know my wife has started catching episodes. It's the latest series from Amazon Prime featuring Josh Brolin in a show that has a little bit of Yellowstone influence to say the least because it's about the battling ranches and some battling factions there like we talked about with the Yakuza. Same things going on there. But also as well with the struggling family, they come across a supernatural location which has taken the series into quite a different turn than your average Yellowstone type copycat type deals so they've thrown that in the mix a little bit your thoughts on this with open range i know you haven't had a chance to see it yet but i know you've seen the advertising it's something amazon is clearly behind just like they were reacher could it find the same success because reacher was a big hit for them i think open range could be a nice successor as well
1: yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely created a sense of mystery for me. I, I see little trailers for it, and I see the photos. I see the big banners they have when I open up Prime Video on the Xbox, and I'm fascinated. For me, it's the issue is just finding time to watch new things. The premise is definitely something that intrigues me. You know, we don't have a lot of Western sci-fi type things. Josh Brolin, brilliant actor. I just got to say, like, I love everything that that guy is in i haven't watched a movie from him that i walked out saying like oh this is bad he takes things in a direction that i don't know there's just something about his acting that like feels magical to me and it feels gritty to me as well so that being said yeah it's definitely something i would not mind watching at some point is it gonna move up to the top of your list anytime soon what are you feeling
0: We'll see what happens after Tokyo Vice and Halo. Uh, I know that there's going to be a little bit of a void there. So we'll see what happens before, maybe before I hit up Kenobi. So we'll see what happens there. Mm -hmm. But your thoughts out there on Open Range on Amazon Prime. Is it getting your Western sci-fi fix in order? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, before we head on out and before we talk Coachella, just wanted to let everybody know that this week, Marvel is previewing a tabletop multiverse. So your thoughts on this, I know I won't have more thoughts with Melinda on the Friday show because I know she's very intrigued by this aspect being our tabletop queen that she is, the expert on it of all things tabletop. But they've done it a little bit in the past as far as dipping their toes into the tabletop water, but this seems to be something that they want to go ahead and delve even more into And maybe take a little bit of a bite out of the Dungeons and Dragons behemoth that it is.
1: This is not my area of expertise. I like Dungeons and Dragons, but I think Marvel's already big enough. You know, like it's bad enough that they have like broken into the podcast market. Now they're doing the role-playing games, and there's just some things that I feel like they don't need to have their hands in. But then again, they're like one of the biggest pop culture companies out there. Yes, I'd want to read about it. I want to see people play. I want to see it in action before I really have some thoughts on it. But when I'm doing Dungeons and Dragons, it's a fantasy world that's interesting to me. I don't see myself wanting to be like Iron Man or something.
0: Yes, you can while well, you can go ahead and I'm sure play as Captain America, Iron Man, the Hulk, what have you. Maybe they'll allow you to go ahead and create your own character in this universe that will go ahead and be able to explore. But yeah, the possibilities are out there in Marvel's Multiverse tabletop RPG that they're going to introduce. And again, I will elaborate more on it on the Friday show with Melinda, so please stay tuned for that. But if you have thoughts on the upcoming preview for Marvel's Multiverse, please let us know. cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, Coachella! Coachella! Coachella. It's so funny because if you're watching the streams, because the streams are taking place, if you're not able to attend Coachella over the course of this past weekend and also this next weekend coming up, it's so funny if you watch the streams. Anytime someone of the artists says Coachella, people like just start going, yeah, 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 just by saying the word Coachella. It just is so funny because people start going up in arms, but. It is Coachella, which I think you've got to consider it now. The I don't know if if you could say the world, but you could definitely say it's the U.S.'s largest annual music event with over 750,000 people attending overall both weekends, which takes place over Easter weekend and then the weekend after. There's still one weekend yet to come, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and These concerts are just amazing. Three different stages. Dozens and dozens and dozens of artists are there at Coachella, both weekends. And some of the big names, Harry Styles, Then they have Billie Eilish on the Saturday shows, Megan Thee Stallion, 21 Savage, Danny Elfman. Then you've got on Sunday, you've got the Swedish House Mafia, plus The Weeknd, Doja Cat, Oh my gosh, you had Arcade Punks taking the stage on Friday, which got a lot of news coverage. I mean, there's a whole bunch of acts there. We're talking over 50 acts I'm just seeing right here on the Coachella marquee for all three days. I'm seeing at least 50. Looks like a lot more. So your thoughts on Coachella, again, 750,000 people are expected to attend this event overall. We have here in Vegas the EDC, the Electronic Daisy Carnival. That comes up next month. It'll get a good 30,0, 400,000 people. We also have Life is Beautiful here later on in the year. That gets about maybe a 200,000 people as well. Your thoughts on this. I think right now it is the largest annual event for music right now that's going on. Because this is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year.
1: Yeah, you see a lot of people are excited about going to this regardless of who's playing. Coachella! Coachella, yeah. People make jokes about this in shows and stuff when they're trying to create characters that are kind of vapid, I guess. But it is definitely a big music festival. It's one of the oldest music festivals in the United States. And it has an appeal for people to go to this thing year after year despite who's on the bill. It's funny, I just pulled up a Coachella lineup from 1999 and you look at how different the styles of music have become. So you have the headliners are Beck, the Chemical Brothers, Morrissey, you have Rage Against Machine, Tool. And then you go to this new lineup, you have like Harry Styles, Lil Baby, Billie Eilish, Swedish House Mafia on the weekend you can see there's definitely a, a big change in genre preferences when it comes to a festival like this. and
0: well, they still have DJs, they still have electronic music. they still right. have a lot of different well, that's things there as well.
1: yeah, and that's what a majority of the music is though it's electronic music, it's rap. it's it's a lot of things that aren't what it once was. But anyway, all this to say, like I'm curious like what type of artists will be performing at this thing next year and the year after and the year after that because Coachella seems to be showing no sign of losing momentum as the years go on.
0: No, it's only growing by leaps and bounds. And it is amazing to see the number of artists. I mean, if you go to Coachella.com and you just bring up the poster, it's right there for you. Again, I'm counting well over 50. In fact, we could be seeing close to a hundred artists that are there for the entire weekend. It's just amazing. I'd probably say it's closer to a hundred. So close to a hundred acts are there this past weekend and next weekend. And it's just truly an amazing event that I think everybody needs to take notice as the biggest right now in America on an annual basis. So it is Coachella. It is something that I think a lot of people need to take in perspective. All the great artists, but you can still catch it this coming weekend on YouTube. Just type in Coachella.com and I'll actually get you right to as far as the links for the YouTube links for Coachella or Just put in Coachella on YouTube and it'll come right up. But he has three different stages, three different feeds for YouTube. So you can check out what you like. But please let us know if you're at Coachella, if you've attended Coachella, or if you want to attend Coachella, what you're looking forward to, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Cannot thank you enough, as always, for Stopping by as you do as my fellow host in this world of pop culture. But any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: Yeah, I've been really interested in some of the comments being made by Discovery as they are purchasing Warner Brothers. They've been talking a lot about the DCU and how they feel characters like Superman have been underutilized and they're planning on revitalizing that whole thing. I'm interested because I agree with them. The DC movie slate has gone off in so many different directions that nobody really has a grand vision anymore. They're just trying to capture fads and phases and seeing what sticks, you know, obviously like Joker was good, but then you look at the Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn focused movie and that one was bad. So there's a lot that they've tried that has not been successful. So I'm curious to see like what this company's buyout and the, what they're, acquisition of the dc properties are going to do for the films moving
0: forward we'll see what happens i know it's going to do a lot to your bill if you've got hbo max that's for sure once the merger finally happens on screen so to speak after all the stuff gets merged together because the paperwork's done they're now one big happy family behind the scenes they just got to go ahead and put it out there on a medium and then go ahead and let you know how much it's going to cost so We'll see what happens there. But I would like an expansion of the DCEU. I would like some order to the DCEU. We always talk about, like I did on the Friday show when we discussed this with Melinda and I, about how the whiteboard's a little messy right now at DCEU. And hopefully this merger can clean it up a bit so it can get into one straight direction.
1: Yeah, maybe this open up an invitation to Zack Snyder to come and finish his second Justice League movie.
0: Maybe, maybe indeed. But we'll see what happens with the DCU now that the Orner Discovery merger is done. If you have any thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com on this. But yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing what takes place in the future for the DCEU. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glasswood. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice
1: be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com